Hello everyone and welcome to our next Tap Talks HR podcast. Today I'm really excited to be joined by Sharon Green. Hello Sharon. Hi Anthony. Sharon runs Kiara Consultancy which is an HR interim coaching and consultancy business helping clients change, innovate and maximise the power of their people. Sharon's been an interim for over 12 years working on all sizes of people change projects from small scale to large scale transformations. Sharon co-runs a HR interim networking group with over 440 members and today Sharon we're here to talk around interims, HR interims and the world of interims. Exciting. Exciting. So yeah let's get stuck in with one of the probably the broadest questions I've ever asked which is (laughs) what is an interim to you? Um, Well I think sometimes I think people might think this is a bit of a silly question really um, and particularly because I've been doing this for 12 years um, then I guess I've slightly got out of the habit of answering it because um, I think the world of interims kind of moved on in the 12 years that I've been doing it um, certainly so it feels like it's a bit more um, understandable and a, an active career choice for a lot of people but I thought in the spirit of a podcast I should probably be a bit more formal Thank you. and so um, and I've got um, one of my favorite quotes about what does an interim do from the Association of Professional Interims so I'm going to tell you what they say because I feel it kind of pretty much encapsulates what they do So what they say is, interim managers are a senior level, external resource working short term. They have a proven track record, a depth of experience to draw from, and are experienced at solving complex problems and delivering solutions to business critical issues fast. And for me, that kind of really encapsulates what we do. and I think sometimes people get obsessed and say, oh, it's a, somebody operating at board level. Um, but for me, it's about being reassuringly overqualified for the, for the um, work that you're doing. And in short, I sometimes say it's like a consulting skill set with an execution mindset. So you come with a toolbox um, and experience to leverage off and you help pull out the tools and flex those to the needs of your clients. That's basically what I think an interim is. And, and that's really interesting. I, I love that, that bit you just said about reassuringly overqualified. And, and, <laughs> I, and I think that, that when I think of an interim, I, I, I was been reflecting on it before we started the podcast today, actually, what is an interim to me? Mm-hmm. And I think you've summed it up really well. It's someone who comes in with a very can-do attitude mm-hmm. that has to have a depth of knowledge mm-hmm. that surpasses the incumbents mm. to add the value in such a short period of time that an interim does. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes I think people think interims are, you know, you do maternity leave cover, for example, or you're covering for a role. Sometimes that is the case. Um, You have to be a little bit careful in terms of the types of roles that you do. But often you're coming in to um, add some bandwidth or add some additional skills or to really add some focus to a project that the team would like to deliver internally but maybe are finding hard to deliver maybe they don't have the experience or maybe they just don't have the capacity to deal with it and so you're coming in often to add I sometimes think it's a bit like the the extra batteries and the Duracell bunny you know you're coming in there to supercharge um, and really help the project to move forward as quickly as possible that's often what I'm doing. Okay, and you say you've been an interim for for 12 years, and Mm. the concept of interiming has been around for a long time. Uh However, I do see more and more, now I'm actually not on the corporate side, I'm Mm. actually running my own business, that actually more and more HR professionals, when it comes to their next career move, are Mm -hmm. actually now considering moving to interim. 
definitely definitely I mean I see much more fluidity now so I so I guess when I first started insurance it felt more like a career choice for me um now I think there's a lot more fluidity between um, working as an interim and then people going back into a permanent role at some point. And some people feel it's a way of um, broadening out their skills or challenging their skills or kind of get, getting different sector experience, all sorts of things like that. Whereas I think that when I, when I kind of stepped off the permanent world, um, it did feel like a big leap. Um, whereas I think now there's much more fluidity in the labour market generally, and so therefore I don't think it feels so cut and dried anymore. So there's a number of people who badge themselves as insurance. Um, so I kind of tend to say, look, I'm a career insurance. I've been doing this for quite a while, but that doesn't mean that there's, you know, it's not a, an option for people to do that. Yeah, and and I know before we started a recording, we were having a little bit of a laugh about the, the perception of interims. Actually, sometimes that so actually an interim was someone who just couldn't get a permanent role. Yeah, and and I think <laughs> the world has moved on a little bit from yeah. that. And and I mean, I only did about two years of interiming back in two thousand five when I uh-huh. left being um, store management for retail into the world of HR, and I did it to build a CV. Hmm. So it was there was a purpose there, but I think there is more and more interim people or people considering interim mm. out there so what i mean you've touched on it already yeah. but like is there why do you think people are, are thinking more now about becoming interims um i think part partly to um, to the point before that i think people think of it as a way of um developing new skills or maybe challenging their skills in a different sector if they feel that they've been um kind of pinned into a sector and that they're looking for breadth of sector experience. Um, often I hear when people have had a redundancy experience, which is much more common I guess nowadays, um, that they kind of feel like it's a, a real opportunity for them to try something new. They might like it, they might stick at it, or they might find a route to a to a new permanent role in a business that they've worked in and they feel is culturally aligned with their needs. I mean, for me, the, the decision was a um, was a clear career choice. I felt like I'd reached a crossroads. Um, I felt that um, the flexibility and challenge was what I was really looking for. And so when I was thinking about this, I was kind of making some notes. So I felt I felt I didn't. I got to a stage where I didn't really want to be one of those people who fell out of love with their job. I've always been the person in my family that. They keep saying, oh, Sharon, you know, get over this idea that you need to love your job and get out of bed every morning loving what you do. And I just couldn't reconcile that for myself. And I felt like I was getting to the stage um, in my last role where there was a real risk that that might happen. You know, the, the business just wanted me to keep on doing what I was doing and I felt like I needed a fresh challenge. I also wanted more flexibility and that wasn't a possibility within the business that I worked in. I think they've moved on um, since then, but because I didn't have an automatic right to request flexible working, they were a bit lukewarm about that opportunity. And so for me, it was about taking control of my career, challenging it, doing a bit of calculated risk taking and feeling like this is going to give me a bit more breadth and depth and variety and a bit of a risk. So that's the reason why I did it. Yeah, and I think um, businesses and the organisations are slowly evolving now. I think um, in the past they were very much a hierarchical progression kind of thing, whereas I I see some businesses starting to emerge now looking at very much lateral moves Uh and how to to move from division to division to actually keep people interested. Mm -hmm. And 
it's almost like it's arriving a bit late for some people who yeah. probably wanted it 10, 15 years ago kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. So one obviously you're um, what you co-run this mm. hr networking uh, area with over 400 people in it and i know that you give advice to yeah. a number of people who approach you through that network yeah. so um a question for me is if i'm thinking about becoming mm. an interim what can i expect um if i make that jump yeah um i think i mean i've put here that one of my favorite quotes that i always say is for an interim life is like it's Forrest Gump, so it's not um, it's not earth shattering, <laughs> but it's like life is like a box of chocolates. You never know which one you're going to get, and so I think that that would sum up my kind of interim career. Is that you get it's a for me? I think you've got to be prepared for variety. Um, so I've put that down as one of my positives. Um, so the variety of projects that you work on. Um, you get the range of clients and sectors if you're lucky. Sometimes you still can get a bit of sector resistance. So if you're wanting to move sectors and that's a um, that's um, a motivator for you. Sometimes clients do you actually prefer someone with sector experience, and there's not much you can do about that. But I've been very lucky, and it's one of the positives that I see that you can get to work with different um, different clients, different sectors. Um, you need to think about um, your network because that's going to be the source of a lot of your work um, I was really lucky I've always I've always loved networking um, just making connections really I don't even really think about it as networking I just think about it as meeting interesting people and I'm, and so I've expanded that but I think you really need to think about your network when you're um, doing this kind of role and think about because um, it can be quite a tricky transition for me I didn't want to lose a new I'd miss a team I knew I'd miss being part of something, hence why I'm involved in the HR uh, interim networking group, because that's like my little community. Um, and so you need to think about that when you're becoming an interim, because you're moving away from part of something and you need to create something new. Um, uh, flexibility. Um, so for me, it was a big driver for doing it. Um, you can't plan when you have time off though unless you're very lucky I know some insurance that say I'm not working during this time for school holidays for example but obviously the client might decide not to use you so you've got to be if you're going to set your stall out like that I think you need to be prepared for clients to um, say no um, but for me I think that the those are the kind of things that I'd say to be um, aware of and then I think there are some downsides so I've put some I've written them down just so I can um, can kind of think about them um, you need you can't control where the work comes from so all you can do is invest in your network and and um, and what you're doing so you really need to think of yourself as a micro business um, and therefore spread your net widely with people who you've worked with and who can recommend you but also with resources out there I mean there's still I was looking at some stats from the Institute of Interim Management and 57% of people um, in the last survey in 2018 they get their work through agencies so you're still going to be needing to rely on those kind of relationships and and work that even when you're on an assignment and when you're busy and that can be a bit of a challenge because if you think about it it's like joining it's like having a new job you know every six to nine months or, or whatever so that you need to get into that kind of mindset but that's what being an interim is I think for me you're managing a little micro business yourself
Yeah, and I think um, I would very much resonate with um, your comments around the network there. Mm. And when uh, I set up Tap Solutions, um, my network had been very much inside of organizations. Mm. I was a specialist in learning and development. And so all my network were business leaders not HR people, because mm. actually I'd been networking with the leadership with inside the businesses, yeah. and it took a while to actually get the traction of that network mm. going kind of thing, and I, it's the one thing I, I, I hear from people who are actually go, uh, thinking about going into them, is actually they don't feel that they've got a good network, or they don't feel they've got the experience of actually going out and networking. Yeah, and I think that you need to kind of think of, like I say, I think, I've, I said to somebody the other day, networking is like um, building relationships one conversation at a time, so if you think about it like that, anybody could be a source to work, so, and that makes it less, if you're not, if you're not into networking, if you imagine networking is like walking into a room full of people that you don't know, then I think that can be quite daunting when you're on your own, um, whereas I think if you think about it as just building, talking about what you do and what you can do for clients, but uh, on multiple conversations and I think that makes it easier um, I think one of the things I'd say is as a micro business you need to think about the variable cash flow the one thing I still remember even though it's 12 years ago was actually not getting my first paycheck mm. um, so it was a big step to kind of go from not getting my first paycheck to I'm running this business and I need to have some reserves and think about um, how much I charge and how many days I'm going to be working and what that's going to do for my turnover. Um, so it's been great for commercial awareness, but you need to be comfortable with that slight unpredictability and ambiguity. And I'd say if you're not um, into ambiguity, the interim life's probably not going to suit you so well. Um, but the variety can be great, but it can also be a little... Um, like a double-edged sword so you've got to think about your skill set and picking work and um, and sometimes I don't think you should be put off by the work either I've done some projects that if I was in my permanent role I think I probably would have viewed them as quite unsexy um, maybe even a hospital pass you know where you get given that project where you're thinking am I giving this because nobody else wants it um, it actually helps um, build up a new skill set often which can be very commercially useful when you're thinking about running yourself as a micro business um, whereas you might have viewed that slightly differently if you were in a permanent role and you were looking for your next career move you might think well that project's not going to get me there it's not very sexy working on compliance for example or um, implementing a new IT system for contingent workers that doesn't sound very sexy um, but both of those projects have taught me a lot about myself and um, have been really useful to get other work. Yeah, so, so um, that's, I mean, that's really interesting for me. I'm just thinking about ambiguity. I think that resonates with me as well. <laughs> so what do you think clients need to think about? So we just talked about from the interim side, but actually what about the client? When you're engaging an interim, what should clients be thinking of? Um, I think... They, it sounds obvious, but they should be thinking, you know, remember you're not an employee. This person is not an employee. Um, uh, this person is another business that you're engaging with. Um, they just happen to be probably working with you for a, period, a defined period of time, more likely on site, sometimes uh, remotely. So you need to think about engaging them like a business-to-business arrangement. And I think that makes it um, much more easy to 
have an adult to adult discussion, think about strategic, you know, kind of opening up to what um, you need to do um, and how that person can help you to get there. Um, so that would be the first um, thing. Often there's a bit of confusion, um, especially if the client's not got a very long track record of using insurance, they sometimes get a bit confused. Um, and so I'm always like happy to talk about feedback. Um, if they need to change direction, that's a business kind of choice and you just need to have that conversation. You know, and there's no end of the year review conversation. There's no, you know, I'm not on your talent program. You know, it's, you just need to think about, um, uh, you know, what's sitting in front of you really. Um, but remember that there's still a human being. <laughs> um, so um, I think they need to think about how best to utilize their insurance to get the best bang for their buck. You know, um, it's a commercial arrangement and they need to think about it in those terms. And so my job is usually to help the clients think about that. So I sometimes say, look, I could be here for five days a week. I could find work to do for you in line with the scope that we've agreed, but I could also do that in three days, you know, what's your choice you know mm. and that's how I choose to run it um, but sometimes that's a bit of a, a shock for the for the client because they're like well you know they kind of still see you as a person that is almost like an employee so I think you've got to kind of um, do that I think clear communication is really essential um, if the relationship's not open and honest and you can't build that trusting chemistry straight from the start then it usually means that things might not necessarily go on track and be on plan um, and I think that you need to be, um, you know, you need to listen to the wise counsel, you know, um, and unless the person sitting in front of you is a business that's looking to maximise the cash from the client, they're usually the person that will probably tell you what is really going on within the business or maybe give you some strategic advice. Um, whether you choose to accept that or not as a client, um, they usually... A, a good source of counsel and sometimes that can make for a different relationship than you have with an employee who might be thinking if I tell you that that's a career ending conversation um, so it, it, I think it's more about the relationship that you build up um, with the person that's I think what clients need to think about when they're engaging in insurance. Yeah and I think I, I, I go back to your comment about micro business because mm. you're a micro business dealing with another bu yeah. business um, and also as you're saying you're, you're not an employee so it's about the motivators mm. what's motivating the interim to yeah. be there and actually thinking about that um, and it's not going to be about the Christmas party that you're probably not going to be there for yeah so mind you it's um, it's that time of the year or approaching so um, so um, as always with our podcasts they're never long enough and everything however I do want to ask you one more question because I think this is really important at the moment and and that's what what are the hot topics for interims at the moment because I know there are a couple of big hot topics mm. so so what what's out there at the moment for interims and what do people need to be thinking about um, I think for the interim um, piece the the hot topic even though um, Philip Hammond kind of came and said IR35 is not going to be happening until later yeah. that's still um, a, a big topic um, uh, that is the thing if you're thinking of being an interim or you actually are an interim then you need to be thinking about that and the impact it's going to have on your market what your clients are going to be saying about that how you educate them about that how you protect yourself how you set up your business in order to um, be IR35 compliant so that you're held outside of it rather than being inside of it and that's all about you know 
whether you know you're not an employee um, you're not a consultant you're in this middle middle ground where they're wanting to tax you at source which but not give you any benefits and so I think therefore that is a very it's still very much on the horizon even though um, they've pushed it out a little bit mm. it, it feels like it's going to be coming it's just probably a question of when um, or it's going to have an impact on the market regardless of whether they push it out further so that's definitely a hot topic okay and um, so yeah I, I mean I have to say we're officially uh, to date the longest podcast <gasps> that we've ever done so no. but only by a couple of minutes but uh, Sharon um, I know we could carry on talking about this we and I know indeed. we've talked to, talked about for this length of time before we even got onto the yeah. podcast today but thank you ever so much for sharing um, your insight into the interim world because mm. I think that really resonates with a lot of HR people who are listening your networking group what's the easiest way of people finding your networking group we are on linkedin and we're called the hr interim networking group um so that's an easy way to find us um you can reach out to me sharon green and on um i'm on linkedin kr consultancy limited is my kind of company name or you can find me on twitter so i'm sharon g kiara on twitter I okay. love Twitter, so you can always reach out to me there and I can let people know how to get in touch with us. Okay, that's fantastic. And likewise, if you can always um, come to us at Tapped and we will pass on the details. And so thanks very much. Cool. Um, and thanks you to, to you for listening. Um, please do um, find us on your usual podcast uh, channel and follow us. Um, that's it for today. I uh, hope you enjoyed it and we'll be back soon. Thank you. Thank you.